What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. I have a very dynamic guest and something that actually I can relate to, and I'm sure some of you out there will be able to relate to this as well. Please welcome Joshua Shea. He is a porn pornography addiction expert, trail trauma coach, and a best-selling author. Joshua, thank you so much for being here today. Please introduce thank yourself you. and tell the audience a little bit about your background. Um, like you said, my name is Joshua Shea. I am originally from Maine, still live here. Um, I've spent most of my life here. I am married, I have two kids, a uh, house full of pets, and by all uh, appearances from the outside, everything is very normal with us, and that's the way it was for a very long time. But seven years ago, I finally, after more than 20 years of addiction, I faced the fact that I was a pornography addict. I faced the fact that I was an alcoholic. And I finally went and got myself some help. As I was getting the help, I recognized, especially for pornography addiction, just how few resources there are for the average person out there. You know, I, I, I was a journalist by trade. I am the kind of geek who likes to research, who can read academic studies, but I know most people don't like doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I made the decision that uh, since I was in a unique position of having experience, since I really enjoyed research, since there was nothing out there, I wanted to take my personal experience with pornography addiction, plus what I learned about it and what I learned from other people going through inpatient rehab, going through different support groups, and uh, get it out there because the statistics are absolutely alarming even before the pandemic happened. And I can only imagine just how bad in the last year, year and a half, these statistics for pornography addiction have become because we've all been home and we need to start paying attention to this now as a society or we're going to be in some real trouble 20, 30 years from now. Well, it's also human trafficking comes into play with the, the pornography because um, that's a real big problem as well. So, I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand. And, and so I'm a human trafficking survivor. And like I said, before we started um, recording, my late husband actually went to rehab for love and sex addiction. And I feel like it's taboo. Not a lot of people, you barely ever hear anyone talk about it. So when I saw your profile and I saw what you wanted to speak about, I was like, Yes, this is something that I can relate to, something that I've gone through from on a couple different, not on the pornography side, but just like on the human trafficking side. But watching my husband, but at the time we were dating, you know, he struggled with that. And, but he also was a big, he was addicted to steroids too. He took, did a lot of steroids. And that's at the end of the day, what ended up, you know, he passed away from. Um, and just it i don't think people realize that that is a real that is a real addiction absolutely 100 percent. and uh one of the scariest figures i've ever seen about this and this comes from a study that's about three four years old was done by an organization called the barna group they interviewed thousands of men they found in the 18 to 30 year old group and this is basically the group that doesn't remember a world before the internet in this group 32 to 33 percent of men said that they either watch too much pornography, they are developing a problem with pornography, or they have a full-on addiction to pornography. Hmm. Now, granted, that is self-diagnosing. 
But when one out of three men feel like they have an issue with pornography who are under 30 years old, this should be front page news. This should be on every news station. We need to be sounding the alarm about this because this shows a very unhealthy sexual society. The wave is cresting and we have to do something about this if we don't want a tsunami to hit us. Well, I feel like since we've been suppressed and like other countries, sex is a little bit more accepted. You know, it's not such a like, oh, we're going to talk about sex. Oh, you're naughty if you talk about sex. I think sex is in itself is very beautiful. It's a very natural, natural thing. I think that because it's been so pressed here and looked at like, oh, shame, shame on you. So I am. And so. I look very, I've told all the time, oh, you're so sexy. You're so sexy. Cause I do, I, I have a very sexy look. I have a very nice body. And for me, like, I don't think that I should have to cover that up because it's not bad. God gave me this body. I, I, you know, I take care of it. I'm, I, it's my, it's my vessel, but because, but that's just the stigma that people place on it. So when you're going to say shame, 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 what is our, when we're telling people, no, 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 our most natural reaction is to be, um, is to be rebellious. We're going to rebel, right? So if you're telling someone you can't do this, you can't do this, or this is bad, this is bad, what do you think they're going to do? Well, exactly. And I look at it, the house that I grew up in, my parents are both very, very um, conservative Christian types. Now, what was ironic was that if HBO was on and a show like, you know, Rambo or something like that was on, no big deal. I could watch, you know, millions of people be shot up. Not, not a problem. But the moment that, you know, a breast came on the screen or somebody's butt was on the screen, quick, change the channel, change the channel, change the channel. This is what's going to mess you up for life. And I, I, I don't know how much that played into my addiction, but it certainly piqued my interest. And I think that some people reach addiction simply, you know, by piquing their interest, by delving into something. There's that uh, rebel gene in some people that they go too deep into something. They're, they're in trouble with it but before they realize they're even that far down the road. What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel of Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Ho, 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 ladies. The holidays came early, not only for you, but for your man here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products that your man will actually use, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Also, this awesome refined cologne it smells so sexy my man loves it i love him wearing it especially after he's all clean shaven using the lawnmower 4.0 and trimming those nasty nose hairs and those ear hairs you know you know what i'm saying ladies it's time to give the man in your life the gift of beautiful skin hair and balls this holiday season go to manscaped.com and use the code labelfree20 for 20 percent off and free shipping that's right ladies 20 percent off and free shipping with the code labelfree20 at manscaped.com. So, I mean, thank you for your courage to talk about it because I think that as for a man, and excuse me for being a little bit more sexist, but I think for a man to come out and actually to to actually be so vocal about it takes a lot of courage. And I think that you're you're doing some good things because, you know, it, it's in a, like alcoholism, you know, drug addiction, you know, the pornography, it, it can ruin your life. So, well, can you talk about that, I guess, that domino effect of where it got you to looking to get help and to, to help to find the solution to your problems? 
Yeah, absolutely. I was running, uh, going back to early 2013, I was running my company. Uh, it was a magazine. I'd been running it for five or six years. And uh, we just hit a wall when it came to revenue. And we did very well for quite a while. And I am an excellent business person if you give me too much money. If you don't give me too much money, it's tough for me. And it became very clear that uh, that our revenues were dropping and my lack of skill as a decent business person, um, our expenses kept going up and I started to freak out a bit. So I, because I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, um, and I've also got bipolar disorder, which sometimes throws my thinking for a little bit of a loop. I made the absolutely horrible decision in early 2013 to pull myself off of my bipolar meds. And I told myself that yeah. this, which, which is very common for people who have bipolar disorder okay. to do at least once in their, in their life. Sure. I made the decision and I remembered back to a time of my mania, going back to my early 20s, okay. when I could stay up 22 hours a day, when I had unending energy, unending creativity. And I always saw the pills as something of a restrictor plate put on sure. me. And I thought to myself, you know, if I remove the pills, what I'll be able to do is tap into that manic side. That manic side will help me establish, um, you know, this magazine and get it back on better footing. And then we will survive and be great. La, la, la. Well, unfortunately, what happened was that after a few weeks of the medication leaving my system, my alcoholism, which I'd had going back to 14 years old, absolutely exploded. And my porn addiction, which I've had going back to 12 years old, absolutely exploded. I didn't have a manic high. I had pretty much a depressive low. And I just got into this routine for the next six, seven, eight months of just losing myself completely in a world of alcohol and in a world of pornography. And it finally came to a head that, you know, the, the community largely learned what my problems were. The co-owners of the magazine fired me um, because nobody wanted to do business with me because I was either drunk or a mess or I, it was it was it was not healthy. I mean, I I probably showered once every 10 days at that oh, point. Terrible. And we're going. Yeah, we're, we're at we're in early 2014 now. And then finally, I just, you know, ultimately I was, I was not sleeping, like I said, not taking care of myself hygienically, lost my job. Uh, it was very clear I was about to lose my family. And there was, you know, basically an intervention of sorts. Sure. And I found myself uh, April 1st, 2014, I found myself in Palm Springs, California at a rehabilitation center for alcohol. Um, I thought like in the movies, I'd be there for 28 days and it would be great. Um, and I actually ended up spending 70 days there. And uh, because the first seven, eight days, I didn't think I was an alcoholic. I was just playing along. Then it dawned on me I was. And then after working with my case manager for a while, uh, he began to understood I had issues also with pornography. So he had me meet with a colleague of his who was a certified sex addiction therapist off campus. And we started to deal with it. And I honestly had never really heard of porn addiction before that. 
I just thought my porn addiction was another bad decision I made when I was drunk. Another man thing because you men are yep. so visual. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's just, that's the way we're wired. And when I'm drunk, I take it to an extreme. That's all. Sure. And, uh, but I learned working with this uh, amazing doctor that it was a separate addiction. It actually predated the alcoholism and it was, it was actually worse and, and had more uh, scarring in my life than the alcohol ever did. So I came home, I spent into Maine, spent about eight months in very serious therapy. And then my therapist and I decided that it would probably do me some good if I went into a sex love porn rehab. So I went down to Texas and I went to a, a place just outside Dallas and I was there for seven weeks in the summer of 2015. Wow. Wow. And it was through meeting all these people and, like I said, doing all this therapy and me being the research geek I am, reading as much as I could. And I remember the day that I went to the bookstore, the closest bookstore we have is now 30 miles away. Thanks, Amazon. And, <laughs> uh, and there was nothing there for pornography addiction. I could find plenty on alcoholism, yeah. plenty on addiction in general but nothing on porn addiction. So I ended up writing my first book that came out in 2018. I expected that to be it. I thought I'd just, I'd, that was my story. I'd be done. Was, I'd, it about, I'd move on. was it about your addiction? It was, it was, it was basically can a you, memoir. Can you tell us looking what the, at the, the name of that is? Yep. It's called the addiction. Nobody will talk about how my pornography addiction uh, hurt people and destroyed relationships. Um, and it was interesting. I made a little website to promote it and I thought that would be the only thing I do. And the biggest surprising piece was that I did get some emails and some messages from addicts. I probably got five times the amount from wives and girlfriends and families of addicts. And I started to learn about betrayal trauma and I started to learn what these people were going through because I also saw my wife go through it with me. Yeah. And I realized that this even more than the addict audience, the betrayed partner audience needed some resources. So I've devoted myself the last several years to kind of working both of those tracks at the same time. And I've, I've written another book on top of that. I have an online course offering. And then I do coaching for both addicts and uh, betrayal trauma. What's uh, the partners. second book called? Can you please let us The know? second book, um, it was a bestseller, actually. Was that, that was the one that still is doing very well. Um, that's called He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An expert and a former addict answer your questions. And what I did was I teamed up with a friend of mine who's a marriage and family therapist mm -hmm. out of the Sacramento area and who's dealt with hundreds and hundreds of if not thousands at this point of these kinds of cases. But one of the things he shared with me at one point, which kind of spurred the idea was that he said, inevitably, at least once a week, some woman, some man, some couple, they yell at him. You don't know what we feel like. You've never been through this. And he has to admit he, they're right. He hasn't. Right. But I have, I have been through it, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not super comfortable. I wasn't back then giving advice on what to do. Yeah. So we thought that if we took like the 60 most commonly asked questions of uh, female partners who just found out or believe that their partner is a porn addict, how do we answer them from the point of view of the expert and from the point of view of the guy who's been okay. there? Yeah. And it, it's done very well. I'm really proud of, of, of uh, not just the amount it's sold, but the amount it's helped.
That's that's fantastic. And you have a website. Can you plug your your links for everybody, please? Yeah, my website where you can get those two books and my most recent one, which is called Porn in the Pandemic, more of a journalistic look at how the online world of porn changed basically overnight when the coronavirus hit. Um, all three are available at my at Amazon or my website, which is recoveringpornaddict.com. Before we wrap things up, I'm gonna pick one of your questions that you have here on your in your bio. Um, how is porn addiction like other addictions? Porn addiction is like other addictions in that it exists in the brain. A lot of people think porn addiction and they think it happens between the legs and it doesn't. It happens between the brain. Um, I am trying to get my dopamine hit, my serotonin hit, oxytocin, all the fun little chemicals that make up the pleasure centers. I'm trying to get that hit just with pornography, just like I am with alcohol, just like some people do with cocaine or food or gambling or unfortunately, you know, steroids. Everybody has their thing that they that hits them. Now, obviously, Every addiction has different side effects and how they'll affect your life. You know, sure. with gambling, you're more apt to lose your house or lose the kid's college fund, yeah. um, which doesn't happen with pornography or doesn't happen with cocaine, but different things happen with oh, those. You so, can lose everything and meet with either. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, but yeah. the first thing to happen is usually that. Yeah. And, you're, and, and what, you know, what people need to understand is that the actual chemical uh, the, the chemical uh, formula and reactions that happen with addiction mm -hmm. are 95% the same from addiction to addiction to addiction oh, to addiction in that they're happening all up here. Yeah. One more, one more, because I think it's sure. important. Um, what can we do to keep our kids away from porn? Well, you can educate them because you can't keep your kids away from porn. Um, I talk to parents a lot of time who tell me, well, don't worry, we've got, we've got their phone locked down. And I say, Congratulations, you've locked down one phone of the 4.8 billion on earth. What are the odds they're ever going to see porn? What you need to do is you need to be very age appropriate from a young age teaching them what pornography is and to ignore it. And I'm not saying teach them about the content. I'm just saying teach them how to react to it. Right. And parents need to recognize that the don't look at pornography or don't touch pornography speech for kids, it's not part of the birds and bees speech. It's similar to the don't touch cigarettes or don't drink alcohol speech. When you're old enough, you can make your own decisions. But when you're in my house, we don't allow that here. That's how easy that discussion is. Um, I, I would agree. And I think that if you come at it from a, a point where you respect them enough that you know that they're going to be exposed to it and you have, and when they come to that point, they're going to have to make a decision what's right or wrong, right? right? You can do your job as a parent and say, you know what, this is really not right, but this is out there and you're going to come across it. So you have to know that this is not a path that you really want to go down. But, uh, you know, and just like talk to them like, you know, you would your friend because right. that, because they are, at the end of the day, they are going to be their, they are their own person. They're going to make the decision whether right. you like it or not, what they're going to do. But absolutely. And, and parents need to appreciate it's not a matter of if they see porn, it's a matter of when. And boom. Very true. Are there, before I wrap things up, Joshua, is there any last words you'd like to leave with the audience? Any piece of advice? Just want everybody to keep in mind that if I can be a porn addict, anybody can. 
You know, here I was, you know, 40 year old guy when I, uh, you know, faced the music. I owned multiple companies, great house. You would never think a white collar guy like me was it. But I have met men and women ranging in age from 17 to 77, every nationality, every religion, every other demographic you can think of. There is no stereotypical porn addict. And if you think you may have a problem with it, you probably do. Because nobody asks themselves that question if they don't have a problem. Have you ever asked yourself if you vacuum too much? Have you ever asked yourself if you brush your teeth too much? Probably not, because you know you don't have a problem with that. <laughs> if you think you have a problem with porn, get get it looked at, talk to somebody, do something before it gets too far out of hand. I love it. All right, Joshua, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and share, and I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.